Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the table at a dance competition? Exactly what are the judges looking for anyway? This is Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast. Each week, we'll cover a different topic related to the world of competitive dance from the perspective of the judges behind the table. Stage fright can get the best of even the most seasoned professional dancers. Spoiler alert, your hosts and guests have all experienced it. Caleb Dickey, professional dancer and IDA judge, and Glenn Keelish, former professional dancer and current performance coach and mental health practitioner, join us today on Making the Impact to discuss strategies for overcoming stage fright and simply to let it be known that it happens to us all. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Making the Impact. I'm your host, Courtney Ortiz, and I'm here with my co-host, Leslie Mueller. What's up, Courtney? Not too much. Happy New Year. How's your year going so far? You know, it's 12 days in and I like 2023, so feeling good. Yay. Awesome. I like uh, 2023 and 12 days into it because we're getting closer and closer to the competition season starting. Yay. Yes, I'm super excited about that too. It's 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 inching closer and closer every day. So I hope everybody is rehearsing and, you know, just getting everything situated. Rehearse away from the mirror. Make sure you do your dress rehearsal with your costumes and your mm. shoes. Make mm-hmm. sure that we are just ready to go. Because if you haven't already started competition, you're about to start any minute now. And speaking of competition and performing, you might get a little bit nervous when you hit the stage the very first time this season. And today we are here to talk all about that little thing called stage fright that we might all experience at a point in time or maybe still experience every time you hit the stage. Whether you're at competition, you're at recital, performance, auditioning, you name it, we all experience it. And we're going to talk about this topic today in full detail, which I can't wait to do. Yes, we've got some amazing guests here today to give us their perspective on uh, stage fright and the anxiety that comes with it. But before we do that, we have some sponsors to tell you about. Yes, and first up is Fave Boar Hair. If you are in need of some fabulous hair products to use throughout the competition season that are made by professional moms who were once dancers and now have dancers themselves, then you should check out Fave 4. Fave 4 is a family-friendly, high-performing hair care line. They know the importance of easy-to-use, brushable, and clean products that can last through those long competition days. From hairspray to shampoo to gel and more, they have so many options for a variety of hair types. Visit fave4.com to learn more about their products now. That's fave, F-A-V-E, the number four, dot com. We also have an exclusive promo code to offer our podcast listeners to try out fave for yourself. Use the code IMPACT15 in all caps at checkout to receive 15% off your very first order. I know you're going to love their products and can't wait for you to try them out at your next competition. Thank you to fave4 for sponsoring us in season four. And next up, we would love to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Level Up Dance Supplies, which has been with us for four seasons. Thank you so much. Uh, Level Up Dance Supplies is a family-owned and operated company and has been the leading retailer of top name brand dance gear since 2010. They proudly offer the largest selection of dance gear, such as Glamour Gear, Rack and Roll, Grit, K&K Miami, and others, as well as their own line of dance bags, duffels, and many other accessories to ensure that you get to every competition in an organized fashion. The spotlight product this week is the Pliante series and this petite dance bag. Pliante dance bag with adjustable rack is designed to store all of your costumes and gear. Then it collapses and folds up for easy storage in the off-season. It has a total of 11 pockets and zippered compartments for organization inside and out. The Pliante and its smaller sister bag, the Petite, have unique and useful features that you'll love, including 
a collapsible design for easy storage, a cooler pocket, water bottle pouch, fully adjustable rack height, heavy-duty, durable, water-resistant fabric, and smooth roll wheels. Gear up for the competition season with Level Up Dance Supplies, and be sure to use the code IMPACT10 at checkout for $10 off any Level Up product at levelupdancesupplies.com. All right, Dance World, it's time to jump into this week's episode all about stage fright. Oh my gosh, something we have not talked often about on the podcast. Uh, We definitely have talked about mental health for dance. Maybe we've talked about anxiety here and there. But the actual pressure of stage fright when you enter the stage, I'm sure that every dancer in existence has experienced this in one way or another. Maybe you finally figured out how to overcome it. Maybe you deal with it every single time you step foot on the stage. I know I personally have had some stage fright experiences growing up and still to this day, I'm not going to lie. Uh, So I can't wait to get into the discussion and introduce our fabulous guests who are joining us today. They are both brand new guests to our podcast. I know, so exciting. I'm so happy that we were able to make this work for them both. Our first guest is a guest who we've been dying to have on the podcast for a very long time, and we finally made it work. He is an IDA judge on our roster and a fabulous current working professional and musical theater performer in New York City. I'm excited to welcome Caleb Dickey to the podcast. Welcome, Caleb. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. Yes. Yes. I can't believe you haven't been on before. I, I'm like, Courtney said that. And I was like, is that true? I know. But I, th- I guess we it's were true. actually scheduling uh, like the day before. And then I had an audition. And I was yep. like, I'm sorry, Courtney, I got to go to this callback. And then she was like, oh, and I booked it. So like, it. it was like, it. I was like, <laughs> I did. So like. Oh, hello. And, I, and then every time I'm like, I'm looking at the, the topics, I'm like, oh, I like, I love these topics. And this one came up. I was like, oh, I really feel like uh, this one's important to me. So I really wanted to dive into this one. So I'm excited. Yeah. I, I, think, I think the episode that we tried to have you on when you booked the job, I think might have been the prop episode. Or yes. was that it? Oh, it was, was yeah. because I have a prop blam. I love props too much, <laughs> yeah, but I have strong opinions on props. Like I could talk for an hour about props. So, uh, right, I my specialties. <laughs> and I think we were super sold. Uh, or well, we all remember the Caleb Dickey solo that we watched in the virtual competition. That was about <laughs> yes, the pizza yes. and the hopelessly uh-huh. devoted to you. And we just like all, we still talk about it to this day. Yeah. Oh, so, so great. good. Such clever use thank of you, job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. So we knew we wanted you for that one, but it's okay. You booked a job instead. So now you're here. And uh, Caleb, if you wouldn't mind sharing with our listeners and the dance world out there a little bit more about you, where you're based, where you grew up, what your training's like, any career credits you like to share and what you're working on. Sure. I grew up on a dairy farm in Ohio, and I was a competition dancer with a Miami Valley Dance Center. And then I went to college at Oklahoma City University for dance performance. Go stars stars. out there. (laughs) (laughs) And then I moved to the city where I focused in uh, mostly musical theater. And then, you know, like you you have like the gigs that come up in between uh, contracts. I've always been a very uh, storyline, story driven based dancer. So um, I find that adds into my choreography when I teach back at home in Ohio. When I'm judging for IDA, I really uh, dive into character and story. I think that's really important. And I'm going to talk about that later when we get into uh, stage fright. And some credits I have. Um, I was on HBO Max's The Gilded Age. Woo! Woo. Cool. 
I was an actor in that, no dancing. And then I, for the audition that we were talking about was for the Met Opera. So I made my Met debut in Eurydice and then later on in Cinderella. Yeah. And um, so right now I'm, I'm so excited for next season to start judging. I'm like really looking forward to it. And uh, that's me in a nutshell. I'm so excited to talk with y'all. Yes. And Caleb awesome. has a podcast as well. Caleb, do you want yes. to plug your podcast? Yes, it's uh, Equity One Broadway's Happy Hour with Elliot Maddox. We sit down with uh, theater individuals, performers, designers, directors, choreographers, everyone in the theater umbrella. And we just have a uh, beverage of choice. And uh, we just uh, <laughs> chat and really dive into what um, got us started in the arts. That's how we start every conversation and uh, go on a unique journey and listen to us uh, anywhere you get your podcast. Yes. Very cool. I love that. We've been saying for forever that we need to do like in making the impact after hours with potentially a beverage of choice in hand cool. and just like, yes. <laughs> just, you know, you have to be in. very, uh, you, know, you have to stay focused because if, if it's a long conversation, <laughs> yes. you can get off topic very easily. And for the editors, they're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to edit this? <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, Caleb, we're pumped to have you on this chat. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right. And our next very special guest is a brand new guest to our podcast and also someone that I am just currently meeting right now. Leslie discovered this fabulous person on social media. And as we were looking for a guest for this episode, we knew we wanted someone in the mental health field to come and give their perspective. But what makes this person even more amazing is that they're also a dancer. So they're coming from that mental health perspective. They're currently a working therapist and a performance coach who've received their master's in mental health counseling. I'm excited to welcome Glenn Keelish to the podcast. Welcome, Glenn. Howdy, howdy. Hey, thanks for having me. It's really exciting to be here. Yeah, I know. I'm so glad that our paths united via social media and you were able to squeeze us into your busy schedule and sit down with us to chat dance tonight and stage fright, which is definitely mm-hmm. an important topic to cover so thank yes. you no thank you this is uh this uh, mental health and, and dance is what got me started in this field so i'm really happy to be here awesome so same thing if you want to tell the world a little bit more about you yeah so i have had a love-hate relationship with dance uh, my entire life i actually also started in the comp world i was a competition dancer for a few years before a teacher came to me and said, hey, if you want to do this dancing, you need to get better at ballet, mm. <laughs> which led me to a ballet studio. I was kind of mainstream sports growing up, played football, basketball, all the good stuff. But then in high school, at the very end of it, decided to focus on ballet. That took me to IU, Indiana University's Jacob School of Music, um, where I was a ballet major there. I also majored in sports marketing and management. After IU, I went to the Kansas City Ballet and I was there for a short amount of time um, before going back to IU because I got a concussion and mental health stuff. But that's what led me to a career in mental health. Um, So it's all with a silver lining. And then uh, uh, the director of the Indianapolis Ballet said, hey, are you still dancing? And I said, no, but uh, I'm interested. And so (laughs) I kept dancing for a couple more years uh, with the Indianapolis Ballet. So my my professional career is in ballet, um, but I have a background in comp dance. And and then eventually said that I wanted to take the mental health thing uh, fully by by the horns and give that everything I had because I saw a need and there weren't as many resources as uh, there are for mainstream sports like football, basketball, baseball, there are required to have psychologists on staff and everything. Mm. 
to my knowledge, the dance companies I've worked for and been a part of do not. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> so I saw that I saw there was a need and I wanted to be a resource because mm. I certainly could have used one myself when I was in a company. Um, so it's kind of where the inspiration came from. And so here we are. But yeah, so now I'm working as a therapist, I'm a performance coach, and I also do some speaking for dance studios. And you so, also thanks. have a podcast. I do. Tell the yes, world. I do. Yes. So my podcast is called The Mental Game. It is essentially I'm having conversations with dancers, performers. I've had a gymnast on, mm. um, all kinds of athletes, but more so in the performance community. Um, and I'm really just trying to start conversations around mental health because I feel like there's not enough of that. Um, even in my latter years of being a you know ballet dancer, I felt like it was becoming a conversation, but people were still afraid to talk about it. Um, and I still saw people struggling so much to bring it up um, and they felt scared. And so that was kind of my goal in creating the podcast was let's just continue to create as much awareness around this as possible. So I've had some really incredible guests share some things on the show that they hadn't shared publicly or at all with people before, which is incredibly powerful very grateful for um, my guests and my listeners and everything. And so it's, it's been a really cool experience because, you know, it's kind of like part therapist hat, part dancer hat at the same time. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been really incredible. It's been fun. The mental game. Yes. <laughs> the mental game. Yeah. And where can you find the mental game? Apple podcasts and Spotify. I think awesome. Google podcasts. Yeah. So those three cool. platforms. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks for asking. We will definitely be linking both of y'all's podcasts in our show notes. And uh, I hope everyone gives a listen to them both because we all love more more podcasts in the dance and performance world. So give a listen, everybody, yes, and support uh, our guests. You. Yes, yeah, I'm excited to jump into this. Thank you both for being here. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So I guess let's get a little personal as we jump right on in. I, I have definitely had stage fright, not as much in dancing, but in my um, brief career as like a supporting character in a musical where I have to say words oh, on yeah. a stage. I'm really I just, I don't know what it is in the moment. Like, I think I would love to hear about Caleb's experience talking about stage fright in terms of like characterization, because like, I just want to kick my face. I want to be tree number four <laughs> and kick my uh -huh. face and like be very pretty. And I don't want to necessarily be another person because I think if you can be another person, maybe your stage fright isn't that bad because you're not <laughs> you, you're trying to be, Carol or whatever. Carol, love <laughs> Carol. <laughs> and I just, I could never get into that mindset. And so I was always just like terrified. And, and this, would, this, this would go on for like months of a show. I'd be doing a show every night. And right before I would have to go on and say a line, I would just like, my physical anxiety would, would heighten. I would get clammy. I would get hot. I would get sweaty. My, you, I, you could never hear me speak a line without like a waver mm. in my voice. And it was like, okay, this is not mm -hmm. for me. Like, apparently the stage fright is enough that, like, this is going to prevent me from doing anything. So, like, that's my experience with mm. stage fright. Does anybody else have a personal experience they'd like to share to mm. break the ice? I was thinking about this. The first time that I can remember a stage fright was I switched from kind of, we were uh, second through eighth grade. I was at one studio and we were recreational competition. We didn't train very hard. Um, and then my freshman year, I switched to Miami Valley. And I remember at nationals, uh, it was my uh, f first time that I felt stage fright to do my solo because I was asked to come back and compete against all of these other titleists who were seniors. And I was like, oh, wow, like I'm going up against them. And 
I, why do I even stand a chance? And I remember one of the seniors pulling me aside and being like, Caleb, you know your solo. You know what you're doing out there. So don't worry about everyone else. Go out there and be the best that you can be and not think about, don't try and compare yourself because you're always going to uh, fail when you start compa- uh, comparing. So that was my first thought of stage fright mm. is that comparison uh, when I was a freshman. Compare leads to despair. That's, you know, Comparison that is, is the something we joy. all have to. Yeah. It is. Yes. You have to drill that into your head for your whole life, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the other time that I think as like a professional was doing West Side Story for uh, Joey McNeely in the industry. You know, he's a very intense director and choreographer. Oh, yeah. Scary a little bit, and it's yes. kind of old school. Scary. And like, That's and he also, word. Joey, I love word. you to death, and he knows <laughs> that he's like this. So, no, I'm no problem name dropping him or anything like that. <laughs> but every, um, there was this a part of the ballet in Act Two. There's this really intense partnering section, mm-hmm. Parasis, and um, I would have to mentally walk myself through that entire section before we eat during intermission. So I felt like I did it like once mentally before I could go on stage just so like I could get all of like the the muscle memory back into my body before I went on stage because I also thought that would uh that really helped me get through once I got on stage yeah yeah I feel like that these days as a professional something I've noticed is uh, I guess this is kind of stage right I start getting in my head a lot I mean I'm sure we all do Mm -hmm. but like I start second guessing myself and then I start freaking out that I'm not going to remember the choreography right before Mm -hmm. the song Mm -hmm. starts or I'm supposed to go. And then I just Mm -hmm. black out on stage. This is a new thing. And somehow, Uh yeah, I'm just crossing my fingers and saying, well, here we go. And I just hope that my (laughs) I just know what I'm doing. And this is like happened in the last few shows that I've done. Anytime I get on stage, I just black out and trust that Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. And that freaks me. I don't like that feeling because I feel very uh, disconnected and separated from like my craft. And Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I'm like even performing to my fullest because I don't really even remember. Like halfway through, (laughs) I start Mm -hmm. to relax and I'm I'm there again. But like at least for the first 30 seconds, I am totally not present on stage. And that's kind of freaky. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a little (laughs) scary. It's definitely a new thing. I've never felt that. I would say like the past maybe like four years that's been a new thing i haven't been on stage like performing in a while because you know pandemic in life but i specifically remember like the last time i was doing uh jerome robbins broadway at theater under the stars was the last time i was like actually in a performing job there was like before i did the king and i section i just remember sitting backstage waiting and like thinking i don't know if i'm gonna remember what's what's about to happen when i get out on stage like i specifically Uh every (laughs) night top of act two who knew what was going to happen? But I, I guess I did it. I was okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't yeah, get fired. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah, you got <laughs> I made it through the run and I did my job. You must not have done two points. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's Courtney. It's funny that you mentioned that being worrying about choreography in particular mm-hmm. because my stage fright experiences have come um, by way of just worrying about how well I'll perform. Mm-hmm. But then I've forgotten choreography because of it. Ah. Mm-hmm. So mine have been, uh, I was doing a guesting. It was my first professional guesting as a ballet dancer. And I was doing a performance with this, with this um, company. It's actually, uh, it, was a, it was a ballet company, but I was just, uh, I forget. I was, I was more of a, it was a primary role, but like a secondary dance within the performance. 
either way, it was my first time doing guessing. So it's, you know, the, the accommodations, like everything was making me nervous. I had never been picked mm. up by someone. I didn't <laughs> know, like, should I go to the grocery store? Like, I don't really know how any of this works. <laughs> and so all of it was right. kind of making me nervous. And it all added up to that first dress rehearsal. I was, I was worried about, you know, I was comparing myself to the other dancers. I wanted to make sure that they were happy um, with what they were getting in me. Uh, and then in that dress rehearsal, maybe a minute or two minutes into the piece that we were doing, I just completely forgot everything I was doing. Oh, wow. And we had to stop and, um, and I had never experienced a guesting before. So, you know, of course, was very embarrassed. But that was that was definitely my stage fright experience. My first one, (laughs) my first stage fright experience. But that'll yeah, the forgetting choreography thing that'll hit you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and it's and it's wild, because I feel like all of all of these experience experiences are with pieces of material that you know that you've learned that you've practiced that you're possibly being paid to do i never had the issue at an audition really like i would learn the choreography know it do it not like maybe i would forget it occasionally but like there's other people you have a mirror yeah. there was never a moment i feel like in an audition where i was like i don't think i can do oh, this mm-hmm. oh right 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 you know like that that moment of sort of stage fright that you get before you do right. a show it's mm-hmm. different i feel like it's 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 different and i and i feel like that there's got to be something in your brain that's like you know it's new material so something fires differently mm. up there with your memory maybe and or you don't have time to psych yourself out um because you're just like boom it's my turn mm-hmm. as opposed to okay i've been working on this for nine months and i'm gonna go on stage and this this one moment right. really matters because this is the title you know, the title routine of the competition and I have to do it right. Like, I think that pressure is a different feeling than like an in the moment audition pressure. Kind of like what you just said. I mean, if you think about it, competition is almost is blending performance and audition at the same time. Like that's like Uh two Mm -hmm. different skills Mm -hmm. that stresses Mm -hmm. me out just thinking about that. Because like you said, like (laughs) auditioning is hard in itself, but it's kind of a little like you want the job, obviously. So you're giving it your all. But at the same time, it is a different kind of nervousness than you would if you have to go out and do a performance on stage by yourself, like not mm-hmm. even in a competition mm-hmm. aspect. Like it, if I am mm-hmm. asked to do a solo at this very moment as an adult professional, I am stressed to the max, scared, <laughs> terrified, <laughs> sweating uh-huh. profusely. Yeah. Like, you, you know, like I am. I don't love I don't like that feeling. I still like to this day, I'm 33 years old. Like I'm always going to be nervous to enter the stage, especially more so if I'm by myself than if I'm with others, because there's more stakes. Mm. It's more pressure. It's just you, you know. So I can't imagine mm-hmm. what the kids I mean, we all obviously competed at a point in time. It sounds like so like I definitely was confident when I was young and I know I got nervous, but I think it, it definitely adjusts and changes as you get older, too you experience different mm-hmm. types of nervousness and i'm sure the dancers listening are probably shaking their head like yep when you were when you're 8 you're fearless when you're 15 mm-hmm. you're in your head you're freaking <laughs> out you know yeah. it's like you don't yeah. know any better when you're little so you're just going out there and yeah. having a good right. time yeah. like yep. i never mm-hmm. had stage fright in a group number growing yeah. up in high school and things like i was always like oh i got my team around me like right. maybe there's a lift where you're like okay we got to get through this lift right. but then otherwise i'm like oh like we've got this y'all let's go do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is the solos i feel like you get it a lot yes yeah i would also be curious i don't know if you guys have had this experience like for me it was when i was getting paid to do something mm. i felt like there was a different expectation on yeah. it like for some reason when i was even when I was doing a solo as a like as a comp kid or when I was doing a solo in a ballet competition, it felt different and mm. it compared to when I was getting paid. Right. It was like that the the first few 
those first few performances of that just felt like there were more at at stake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys had that experience. Well, I think it's one of those things where it's like you get that imposter syndrome sometimes and you're like, okay, I've got this job. That means I'm qualified. But I'm really nervous about this performance that I'm being paid for that somebody chose me for. Maybe I'm not actually good enough. Maybe mm-hmm. they shouldn't be paying me for this. Like it kind of all just like spirals if you can if you put yourself in that mindset of like I don't deserve this job and I think a lot of a lot of performers get you know feel that anxiety sometimes too that like again compare leads to despair Mm -hmm. like so and so is so much better than me so and so is you know would have been better at this I don't know I think that that comes into play when money starts Mm -hmm. happening and then also you know just sort of hearing about some of the things that are going on currently in the professional world you can get replaced real quick you know for many Mm -hmm. reasons and so the the (laughs) pressure The pressure of like having to do it right and having to do it properly and being worthy of the job, you know, of course, people have anxiety about that. Uh, and so I hope the listeners like our, our younger listeners are feeling some sort of relief to know that like we have we're all we have all been paid to dance professionally and we have all experienced this like kind of debilitating at times feeling, you know, nervous about our performance or stage fright before we go on. You're not alone. You're not alone, though. No. <laughs> Just like pleasing no. the choreographer, like kind of like what you were talking about with Joey. I mean, I worked with Joey yeah. as well in West Side, and he is intense, harder on the boys than he is on the girls, I have yes, to say. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I think it's like in that job for me, like West Side Story was my first actual musical. So for me, I knew I could dance that show. I mean, uh, yeah. I knew mm-hmm. I c- was the right dancer for this show. But was I the right? Was I qualified enough to be singing on stage was i qualified enough to have lines on stage like i've never done that before so i was nervous to make sure that i was able to deliver the expectation of the job and that's kind of like what you're saying glenn of like okay you're you're getting paid you got the job mm-hmm. and now you have to mm-hmm. please the customer and uh-huh. <laughs> and please right. the choreographer and please who hired you and like i'm sure that young dancers can feel the same when they're in a routine and they want to please their teacher and they want to please mom and dad because they're spending all this money. And, you know, it's it's stressful. You put a lot of stress on you. I, I definitely, I, I feel that still to this day when I go on to different jobs or even when I'm in certain auditions and I'm like, am I even capable? Like, am I the right candidate for this? Am I qualified <laughs> for this? Like, what happens mm-hmm. if I get on the job and they expect me to do this, this, and that, and I can't? Or like, what if my injury is going to prevent me from doing this? Then I mm. start getting anxiety because I'm not, I can be replaced. Like you said, Leslie, like, you you know, that's a that's a scary thing to think that like we are replaceable. And we've talked about that on the podcast before as, as far as like, you know, it's a, it's a stigma in the dance industry that like you're always replaceable and you better be in tip top shape and better be ready. But like, you know, ha- always be on your A game. But it's it's a lot of pressure on us yeah. mentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then like when you're when you're the one replacing Oof. someone, because that's almost all of my yeah. career was being a replacement for someone who got it. But injured. don't you love being the and, replacement like, a little bit? Yeah. You're like, I came in and like, yes. I saved the day. Yes, you're I like, you're I, like saved the I learned this show in a week. Let's put me in, boss. Yes. I love being the replacement. I feel like when <laughs> when. When I put on my resume, quick study, yeah, I mean uh-huh. it. Like, that's not, a, that's not a thing I just write. That's a thing I mean. But there's extra pressure there, too. And, like, I, I remember the last, the, my last job before I retired, I learned a show in five days. Wow. And we went on stage and we did Anything Goes. And I remember that first night, I was like, mm. I don't know if I, I don't know if I actually know this. I mean, some of those words and some of those songs 
like are just very wordy and you're like, what? I don't remember. And I'm not the singer. I'm not like I said, I don't want a line. I want to tap dance. I want to tap dance on the ship and like be done. But like that creates a whole different set of pressure when you're when you have that major expectation of saving the show or, you know, and then not injuring yourself in the process of like balls to the wall, learn this tap show in four days. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy world that we live in. And and I think that I think some of the uh, non-dance parents out there are might be really interested to hear all of this because, like, there's a lot more stress and pressure in our industry, I think, that than people realize. Mm-hmm. I think people sometimes are like, oh, they just sing and dance. It's really fun. You know, oh, the ballet dancers are so beautiful. They they pick up girls and it's but like there's just there's a lot going on behind the scenes, um, including anxiety and stage fright. <laughs> Something that comes to mind with an- another thing that makes me nervous whenever I have to do it in a show um, to this day, and I'm sure, Glenn, you have, I mean, both of you have experience with this, all of us do, but partnering. So, like, yeah. I I like to be in control of myself. I, mm-hmm. I know what I'm capable <laughs> of. I know how my body yeah. feels. I know if my leg's going to go at a certain height today, if my back's yeah. going to bend a certain amount today. Then when you put the pressure of like partnering with someone else and especially like as a female identifying dancer, partnering most oftentimes with a male identifying dancer and they're the one that's like manipulating you and like controlling Mm -hmm. you and Mm -hmm. guiding you, that stresses me out because Mm -hmm. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. And especially in audition settings, oh my God. Oh, you guys have to partner at auditions. Yeah. Oh, yes. yes. They yeah. That's the oh, that's scary. Yeah. You don't even know it's this person. Exactly. And right. I don't know whether oh, you can dance. You know someone in the room you and you make dance. eyes to someone across the room and you're like, uh-huh. Like, <laughs> there have been so many times where people will like straight up scope me out in the audition because I'm also only 5'2", so I'm really easy to partner. But then uh-huh, people uh-huh. also know that I'm a strong dancer, so I like know how to support myself. And people are like immediately go, Courtney, you're my partner. And I'm like, Okay. Yeah. And sometimes I don't even want to be their partner because they're tragic. <laughs> you know? And like right. if I have a if I have a partner that I can trust that I've worked with, that we've worked out the kinks, like I feel a little bit better. But even to this day, you don't know what's gonna happen. Adrenaline might set in and they might just be a whole new partner mm-hmm. once you hit the stage. Like, you know, right. and then you get it feels unsafe for you. So like that that definitely mm-hmm. I'm scared of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're looking for a fresh set of eyes to critique your dance before you hit the stage of this competition season, then we would love for you to check out our service, IDA's Online Judges Critiques. An IDA judge will go through and critique your routine in a video critique, just like you'd receive a competition. But one of our best-selling and unique features is our additional feedback option, where not only will you be able to watch your judge critique your dance, but they will go back through from beginning to end and pause the video to elaborate even more with their professional-level feedback. This service has been a game changer for so many dancers each season, and it is such a helpful tool to utilize while prepping for the competitive stage. You can even request a genre-specific specialty judge to complete your critique, so you are guaranteed to receive the most accurate feedback from a judge who specializes in your style of dance. IDA's online judges critiques start at only $35, and they are available year-round. Learn more about our service and submit your dance now by clicking the link in our show notes or visiting our website at impactdanceadjudicators.com slash online critiques. We can't wait to see your dance. I remember this is like a little off topic, but similar. I had forgotten about this audition. I auditioned for the Cinderella musical multiple times back when it was on tour. And I got through, I always got through the to the ballet partnering section. 
And I am similar to Courtney. I am not even five feet tall. And I am, I think I'm a good partner. I can hold myself and carry myself. But because I'm small, they think they can give me the smaller man. Mm -hmm. So like somebody, a a dude who is five, three, which like I'm used to partnering. My partners historically have been six, two, six, three, six, four. So like I'm used to just standing there and like flying (laughs) through that. Like I have to do nothing. And this poor guy, we were doing this, the waltz and there was like a press. There was an Arabesque press. Like, and I was like. I can't help mm-hmm. you any more than I'm already helping you. You're I, in heels. I'm as tall as you. Aww. This is like, this is not going to work. Bless. And it was, you know, and I don't want to say that's why I didn't book the job, but like, it did not help that this poor guy, like, you know, it just wasn't happening. And it was, it was unfortunate for both of us, but um, yeah, we do have to partner in musical theater auditions sometimes. Side of the scene, and it's, it's not fair. It's very <laughs> rude. Well, it's really, it's really interesting for me to hear your guys' perspective on that because as a male-identifying dancer, I've never felt partnering is where I feel like mm-hmm. I am at my best. Yeah. I would rather partner oh, wow. than go do a solo. Wow. I would much rather partner than do my variation. Nice. I love that. But I don't know. I want to partner with you. Let's partner. Can I partner with you too? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've, never, I've never felt like technique was my thing. I've always felt like I had a knack mm. for partnering because I was like a mm. – I was a football player growing up, so weightlifting was always big, and that's kind of what I always just set my sights on. Okay, well, I will always at least be a good mm. partner. But I feel yeah. – it's so interesting to hear your perspective because I've always felt super confident in partnering. Mm. Mm. just because and maybe it's because of that control piece right. is, is i've always sure. been in control and on the yep. flip side of it to also hear you guys perspective i, I want to share a story i wasn't thinking of i was doing uh the male lead in giselle his name's albrecht and it was maybe our second show of the weekend and i had had just out of nowhere a lot of anxiety came up the night before and i didn't sleep mm. and was struggling that day and i, I don't really remember why at the moment but I was a completely different partner in that moment. And I'm sure mm. my, my partner was just scared to death. Um, so yeah. I can't imagine actually being on the other side, not feeling like you were in control. I'm sure that's just hard to deal with. It's actually relieving the like, yeah. it, it's, it, I'm kind of like glad we're talking about this. Cause again, I, I've never really like talked to the male identifying side of this discussion because I just usually chat yeah. with other female dancers who are like venting sometimes about their partner and, mm. You know, and it's really like a deal breaker in dance. Like if you if you don't have a partner that like meshes with you or you vibe with or that you can like even just give like, you know, hey, I need a little bit more resistance here. I need a little bit more support here or they take offense to that. And it's like it's and that's all like that kind of messes with your head Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. then you're Mm -hmm. afraid to partner with them every night. You're going to get anxious. You're going to have anxiety. You're not going to perform to your fullest like. I there is a show I mean in musical theater especially like you do the same show over and over and over and over again Mm. so like it's Mm. every night same partner here we go again and if you're like not vibing with them like I know for me that was like my one of my least favorite parts of the entire show every time I'd have to go partner with someone that like I was like man they're just like they're not giving me what I need but when I have a good partner like you sound it's like you so are Glenn, fun. then it is it's amazing. <laughs> it's yeah. So like it's yeah. just like it changes yeah. everything yeah. and you just have a yeah. blast on stage. Mm-hmm. So yes. and, you know, and then that's gonna change how you interpret the choreography that's gonna change your execution, mm-hmm. your performance. Like it really makes a difference. We don't have to think about exactly. it. If you're not worried right. about it, if you're not worried about your partner, you don't have to think about right. it. So like no. adding the extra mm-hmm. layer of like another person that you're responsible of is anxiety yeah. in itself. Because then you're already ner- you're already nervous about you. Now you got to worry about somebody mm-hmm. else. You know, it's it's yeah. tough. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never thought of that perspective. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and I will obviously like I feel like it gets better with rehearsal. Like the more you work with yeah. someone, the the less stressed you are. So like that kind of like is the answer to stage fright, I feel like is good yeah. muscle memory rehearsal, know what yeah. you're doing. And you're gonna feel confident in yourself. Mm-hmm. For the last Christmas, I got COVID. And I was out at the opera. And then the day I came back, uh, they were like, great, you're going on tonight. And I was like, okay, I haven't danced in 15 mm-hmm. days. And I'm like, okay, what mm-hmm. track am I going on for? And then the partnering was all there. But luckily, like, I had been reviewing and we rehearsed before mm-hmm. I got COVID. And it was just like, mm-hmm. you do those quick lifts that you have mm-hmm. to do backstage. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, like, I've got this. I know it. I'm, I'm a little bit rusty, but let's just do it. Wait, when you were saying right. tracks, were you a swing? I was a swing in Cinderella. Okay, oh, wow. so I want I'm actually really glad you went there because I wanted to talk about swinging, which is. Oh, I love swinging. <laughs> oh, you do? <laughs> yeah. I do. I'm obsessed with it. Okay, so to all of our listeners out there in musical theater world and, and dance company world, they might not reference it as a swing, but usually an or understudy a or a cover. Or a cover. Yeah, yeah, so um, swing, cover, understudy, these are the people that are the replacements essentially. So if someone gets sick, like Caleb gets COVID then uh, someone else will jump into his slot and swing in is what we call it in the theater world. So uh, there's a lot of people who it's internally cover one another and know what the track is. And that goes to like what the choreography is, what their formation is, what line they're singing, what, what they're saying, if they have any speaking roles, like all of that comes into play. And I feel like I'd love to hear your perspective on that because you say you love it. Now, like, Mm-hmm. I've never really had the opportunity to be a quote unquote swing. There were sections in like West Side Story that I understudied, like the Podicies uh-huh. and yeah. uh, the ballet and things. I'd have to jump in and swing in for that, but it wasn't like an entire show of being one person. And even just jumping into one three minute section of a of a show stressed me out. Like the yeah. amount of anxiety that I would get, and it's again, we're going back to like, am I able to deliver? Am I able to follow through? Am I going to do the steps right? Am mm-hmm. I going to remember mm-hmm. everything? Like that is so different than just doing your same show every every night. Uh-huh. Well, and, and and am I in the case of a swing? And am I going to mess exactly. up everybody yeah. else? I care about mm-hmm. everyone else, you know, even more so than if you were just the general track. It's like the swing is really, and you know, uh, Caleb, you can speak to this a little bit, but the the term shove uh-huh, with yeah. love. <laughs> you know, is, is how you work together uh, to help yeah. a swing. But Caleb, t- t- please go ahead and, and explain. Uh, shove, so shove with love is like when you're like, okay, I know where I'm, I know the general vicinity that I'm going to and your, your castmates are going to push you right into the spot. They're going to give you a nice little hug or like, oh. if it's, a, it's a village scene, you guys, they're pulling you along. You're like, okay, I guess I must be over here. <laughs> you sing line three next. Exactly. <laughs> I think swing people, they have the brain for it if you love it, which I feel like I do. I see formations Mm. and I see where the whole, where the missing person is. So I I see like, okay, if it's three, five, three, I know where I need to go in that lineup. So that's always helped me with my swinging. The replacement job I had was for Lacage at good speed, and I was replacing the swing, so I had to learn eight tracks in oh, wow. heels. Wow. So that oh, wow. was so oh, that was wow. a lot of fun. <laughs> I I just love it because it is something uh, fresh every time you go on. I love creating the show bible. I love creating the notes and the videos and 
jumping into someone else's track while so you're you're staying in their track and their guidelines but creating your own character and giving it your own kind of spice to it that also excites me i like uh mixing up things a lot and i think knowing ahead of time the spots that you need to hit and rehearse are important for all those wannabe swings out there that helps you so you don't get the stage fright when it comes to the number you're like okay i i you have your hit points and you're like okay i know i have to sing this line and uh, I meet up with Jessica, little notes like that. And that helps you get through the show. And every time it's a thrill. And then luckily, hopefully, you'll get to go on multiple times for that track. And you're like, oh, Feels I love seeing Courtney time. at the gym. Like, yeah. it's fun when I get to right. see her or like <laughs> seeing Leslie at the market or something like that. It's fun, like yeah. having those new moments. And it keeps everything kind of fresh yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds stressful. Yeah, I th- <laughs> it sounds stressful. I mean, you're like, yeah. you're just like, I love it. It's great. It's <laughs> yeah, great. I know. I'm like sitting here, like a- anxious, thinking about that. Like, <laughs> my my one swing experience was my very first professional job at Six Flags Over Georgia in the Bugs Bunny yes. Looney Tunes show, in which I swung Taz, Daffy, and and. <gasps> Tweety Bird Short love tweets. Uh, outside <laughs> five five shows a day outside in Oof. Georgia in the summer. But oh the goodness. issue with that is when you're in a costume character or a character costume, you're like, who am I in? <laughs> who am I in right now? Am I Daffy or am I Tweety? Like the, the, oh the God, anxiety of trying funny. to figure that's out funny. like who, which which bird am uh, I today? That's, a, that's so funny. That's so true. I'm sure it's true. Oh, good memories. Yeah. Would the eyes be differently? Yeah, and, Would you like <laughs> see out of a different eye hole or anything like that? Or like... <laughs> Yeah, you see out of um, the mouth on Daffy, <laughs> and you and you do see out of the eyes on Tweety because Tweety's eyes are oh, so yeah, long. Yeah, she's got the big, you know, um, the yeah. eyes take up more mm-hmm. of the of the face. Wow, that's but funny. um, yeah. So can we let's let's think about our students now since we have really covered ourselves as performers back in the day and currently. I remember I've I've had the students before who really did have some some very severe anxiety about performing and. You know, I didn't really know quite how to help them besides my suggestion of, you know, we just need to practice. If you just practice, you you know what you're doing. I know you know what you're doing and we would practice and practice and practice. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know that that's really the most helpful. So, Glenn, I wonder if from your therapist perspective, mm-hmm. overcoming this kind of thing for somebody who's maybe naturally predisposed to anxiety, mm-hmm. what do you do you have any tips or anything that has yeah. been useful for you with your students in the past? Yeah, well, I. You know, I think the practice thing is really interesting because if we're if we're thinking of stage fright, ways that I've come out of my stage fright are typically through just practice. It sounds simple. I think what's important is that something different will work for everyone. There's not a one size fits all. And so what what works for me might work for someone else. Typically, what I try to tell students is, number one, we need to create some awareness around the experience we're having. You know, so are we having anxious apprehensions? Are we having anxious arousal? Anxious apprehensions being are those, you know, are those thoughts? Are we having some negative deprecating thoughts that are ruminating? Are we worrying? What does that look like for us? So naming the experience, um, arousal being, is it a bodily experience? Are we sweating? Is our heart starting to race? Does our brain become foggy? You know, sometimes our brain becomes foggy when we get anxious. And if our brain's foggy, we can't think clearly. (laughs) So understanding what we're experiencing, uh, so I like to name it first, um, and then trying to trying to figure out how they can then own that experience. So understanding that it's manifesting, own how it's manifesting. Acceptance is one of the most difficult parts of anxiety. 
But typically, if we're having anxiety and we think of it like a triangle, if we think of like our trigger and we think of our reaction, we think of usually avoidance. We want to avoid the anxiety, but that just kind of closes the triangle and then it continues or a hamster wheel, right? So if we have anxiety, typically we get anxious about the anxiety and it just gets worse and worse and worse. So we need to we need to implement something and some sort of acceptance, um, allowing the experience to happen uh, so that it can run its course and then some some sort of intervention. So my favorite intervention is imagery. I love visualizing. I love imagery. So I have students, you know, sit for five minutes, close your eyes. Let's think about the experience. So if it's a dance competition, for example, we might include the five senses. You know, so what are five things you see? four things you hear, three things you smell, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So we're putting them in that environment to where they might then experience some of these symptoms. Um, And then we're taking them through the process of it. We're having them get in the dressing room, get dressed, go backstage, uh, all with your eyes closed, go backstage and then dance. And how are you experiencing this? Because you experience anxiety pre-show, during, and then after. So the after is just as important. How How do we interpret what just happened? Um, So I like to have dancers walk through something like that. So naming the experience, owning it, and then implementing an intervention like the one I just suggested is is an example of some things that I like to have dancers do. It's amazing. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. The the grounding techniques, I think, with the senses are are helpful for anything. I mean, that's like a really great technique for any kind of moment of anxiety is just to like root yourself in the experience. And I think for teachers, like that's a very easy thing to sit down and do with a whole class of people. So like maybe you've got one or two kids in a, in a routine that are experiencing this anxiety, you know, not singling them out and making them do it themselves. But like that whole scenario is beneficial for everybody, you know, just to sort of harness the power of visualization and pre-coping, coping ahead mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. whatever the scenario may be. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when it really comes down to it, competition is is heightened. It's a heightened mm-hmm. state of affairs and there's a lot going on. And especially for new dancers or, you know, I, I would assume probably back after 2020 when we had a season off, yeah. really, and then coming back into that environment of, right. oh, here we go again. Like mm-hmm. what competition? Mm-hmm. It's been a year. Mm-hmm. Probably really, really helpful for some people to to kind of get back in their body and feel what it's like to get back on stage yeah Mm -hmm. um i liked what you said leslie about um or what you both said about sitting everyone down together and getting a collective Mm -hmm. so then it feels like it evens the playing field for all of the dancers Mm -hmm. i know sometimes you're dealing with like i have ages 13 through 18 in my senior jazz they're all lovely dancers but sometimes i try and Mm -hmm. unite us all from the beginning of the rehearsal i we Mm -hmm. sit down in a circle we like talk about our day i know that's this uh, we Mm -hmm. go quickly Mm -hmm. we can't spend the whole rehearsal Mm -hmm. doing this but like (laughs) yeah something that bothers us but you always do Mm -hmm. a negative and then i always bring it back with a positive and we all Mm -hmm. share the experience so we're all uh working together so it doesn't feel like you're alone in it because Mm -hmm. uh you're never alone and i think dance is such a um community and i think we forget that a lot of the times that you uh, really lean on the people around you because it is a collective experience and you can really learn from everyone with you. Yeah. I mean, even just listening and and thinking about uh, from personal experience, but also things that I've witnessed from other dancers backstage and getting prepped for competition. And like you said, the heightened experience of what competition dance even is it's, it's overstimulation and, 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 and a lot happening 
And I think that everyone has their own type of pre-performance ritual and things that they like to do to prep them mentally to prepare for a performance. Everyone's different as far as how they want to do that, whether it is let's all get together and let's have like this energy feeling and let's get on the same page and just have a moment together and breathe, you know, like breathing's important. Or there might be some of those dancers that will do that and then immediately following they will go in their zone and they don't want to be talked to and they want to just think about life and think about them. And that's like what they need in that moment. But what I immediately started thinking of that I think can help is at least creating a safe environment and a low Mm -hmm. stress environment. Um, those those quick changes are frantic, you know, mom screaming at you to don't forget your earrings like, oh, my gosh, you have the wrong shoes on, like whatever it is. But, you know, there's so much going on. There's so many moving parts that like if we can just try to keep calm, I'm immediately like no offense to my mom, but like I'm immediately thinking of my mother in the, in those crazy days <laughs> where I, it was just like chaotic and like, what are you doing? Yeah. You, have, you forgot this. And, you know, like because it's crazy. It's frantic and crazy. And then that gets you stressed and then you can't concentrate on you and you can't have your pre-show relaxation or, you know, mental decompression at all. So I think, you know, trying to figure out what works best for you individually, because like you said, Glenn, everyone's different as far as what's going to work for them. Some people might not have a care in the world before they enter the stage and they might Mm -hmm. might slay and Mm -hmm. make it look easy. And others might be so stressed out the moment they step on Mm -hmm. stage and it shows in their performance. So it's like kind of trying to navigate like how can the main goal is to not have it show in our performance. You don't want that to hinder you and all of your hard work. But it's trying to figure out like what's the best approach to navigate that. And it's it's trial and mm-hmm. error, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a good point because I'm thinking of like when I was, I remember being a comp kid. I was the kid who like let's, my dad and I would play basketball in any, because they were always at like random high yeah. schools. <laughs> and we would be playing basketball in the gym until it was like time to go. On That's stage. awesome. But other yeah. kids, but that was like, that was, that was a long time ago. But you know, I feel like everyone has their kind yeah. of thing. Like some people like to be super in right. the zone. Some people like to just kind of be like hanging out messing around. We're talking with people, we're having right. a good time. You know, that makes me feel calm. But I think it's such a good point in understanding what works for you too. Yeah. And then how can we implement that? and be intentional about it. Because I'm sure there's like a lot of moms who are like, you know, the helicopter hovering moms that are just yeah. like, oh, yeah. are you okay? Is everything fine? Do you have everything you need? And sometimes the kid is probably like, mom, just calm down and let me do my thing. Jeez. Like, you know, so I think on the parents and sometimes it's just nice to take a step back as well, especially if your dancer is a little bit older, a little more mature and they're teens, like give them their space, let them do their thing. Like, at this point, they're practically professionals. They've been probably competing since they were five. Like, they know the drill. Mm-hmm. They know how to change the, like, get their costumes prepped and ready. Like, so, you know, that whole. Or let them fail so they can learn something. Mm. Yes. That's a, right. that's a good option, too. Like, get some responsibility yep. to them. Like, yes. it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was thinking about uh, when we're judging a lot, I think the stage fright that you see, uh, not off stage but on stage is when you forget your dance and i'm always yeah. like if it's a solo you are the only one on stage no one else knows this dance besides you mm-hmm. so like find the beat and just yes. give us some improv until you can remember yes. something and keep going like uh yeah. that it just with the more you push through the stronger you'll be because when you run off stage you lose all of 
the energy and the work that you've done it and you're just kind of giving up. Right. Uh, I really love mm-hmm. it. Um, and I understand if it's just like completely not going to happen, but keep right. trying to push through and then come back. Feel like collectors, take the moment to collect yourself. Don't like come back on and then forget it again. Do what you need to do off stage to center yourself. Remember what you messed up mm. and then yeah. and then move on from that. So I think it's good to uh, finish the dance when you when you when you don't do it the first time. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think an important thing to remember, too, and like this is this is something I learned in therapy. So if you're not in therapy, go to therapy. The feeling you're having, whatever that feeling is, will not last forever. Mm. So if you're on stage and you forget that dance and everything in your world is crumbling and you're like, this is the end. I am never going to live this down. I'm so (laughs) embarrassed. I cannot ever face anyone again. Yes, you can. The world is not ending. This is one moment in time. Mm -hmm. And like Caleb said, if if, if, if there's no way possible that you can just do a step touch Mm -hmm. to the beat for 18 counts of eight until you figure out, oh, here we are at the chasse. That's fine. Like, if you can do that, please do that. If you can't do that, go away, collect Mm -hmm. yourself, remind yourself that it's not the end of the world because feelings do not last forever. And that's just really important, I think, for young people to understand because that took a long time for adult Leslie to understand. So (laughs) great advice. Oh, it's a struggle. I feel like that's something important too. mental health is it's I think of like anxiety, depression or anything kind of like waves, you know, it comes in waves. And it's, it's a spectrum. It's it's maybe always there like anxiety, for instance, it's just how you interpret it and what you do with it. So yeah, that's a good point. Totally. Yeah. I'm really loving where this discussion went. And all of our perspectives really, really helpful. Unique. Leslie, are you feeling good? Do we have any final questions or are we ready to wrap it up? I think we can wrap it up because I think we've covered really everything and done some. I I love, like you said, I I love that we kind of took a little turn towards, you know, less necessarily stage fright, but more just like sort of the general anxiety of of performing and performance Mm -hmm. because it's that's real. And that all it kind of all lumps into the same you know, fear that we all have is, is really probably, am I good enough? Mm-hmm. Is this good enough? Mm-hmm. You know, do I, do I deserve to be is here? You are. Um, core beliefs. You do. Uh, you do. Yes, we core beliefs. Exactly. Core <laughs> <laughs> I hear that CBT in there. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, you have yes, been you in did. therapy for a long <laughs> yes, time. Did. I have learned. You go. <laughs> yes. But like, but I think again, that's, that's something as dancers, like we are always scrutinizing ourselves. We mm-hmm. live in front of the mirror and you know, we're we're not only seeking acceptance from our teachers and our parents, mm-hmm. but ourselves. And, you know, of course, stage fright is coming into play if we're if we're already staring at ourselves in the mirror 24 seven, hoping our plie is, you know, proper and our releve is high enough. And, you know, no wonder we're afraid to get on stage sometimes because we put so much pressure yeah. on ourselves. So, yeah, like like we've been saying, you're, you're not alone out there, dancers, if you've been feeling like that ever, because it's just a reality and how you get through it and how you come through it is is you know how you're gonna succeed in the world Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely may i add one point to that just for fun well i think i I love leslie everything you just said and i also think it's important for dancers to understand that what fires together wires together so if you've created these negative thought patterns Mm -hmm. for so long you know implementing one positive self-talk intervention or one grounding technique or one you know whatever it is it might not provide you the relief you're looking for because we have to rewire what's been written for so long. Like you're saying, we, we are in a profession where you're constantly not only critiquing yourself, but you're being critiqued by others. You're comparing yourself mm-hmm. to others. 
And so that, that wires your brain a specific way over a very long time. I, you know, I'm not dancing anymore, but I still have many of those same thoughts every single day. So I'm constantly trying to be aware of that and rewiring it. And so it's just, it takes practice. It takes practice and it all takes time. It is interesting now that you say it in that perspective of like how we truly are getting critiqued all the time. Like that is, that is, and and Mm -hmm. then I started thinking about like, wait, hold on. So like, there's not a lot of other like there are jobs that you get feedback and you get, you know, mm-hmm. you know, your boss <laughs> has to tell you something and it's it's negative. But like nowhere near as much as we do as dancers and performers. Yeah. Like I didn't even really think of that. Our entire career in life, even in training as children, is getting corrections and getting critiqued and getting analyzed. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a balance mm-hmm. of do you live for the applause? Is the applause enough for <laughs> it, you to like the balance of it? Like, yeah, exactly. That's it. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, that's the praise. Mm-hmm. Woo! That's yeah. that's another Deep. topic. Wow, <laughs> like that. I don't know. We we can't <laughs> die. Like, oh, wow, my wow, bad. Wow. My bad. My bad, y'all. My bad. <laughs> my bad. Well, <laughs> let's let's spin this around and end on a different note with some final thoughts uh, from our fabulous guests who joined us. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Caleb, for being here on this chat. It was awesome to have you. And what a what a powerful discussion. What an eye opening discussion for me, and I'm sure all of our listeners haven't hopefully enjoyed this. I really love where this uh, chat went. And if you, we always have our guests lead us out with just, you know, a final, final little bit of advice, encouragement. If you want to talk to dancers, you want to talk to teachers, parents, whoever you want to speak to when it comes to stage fright, our topic for today. Gosh, I, I think the most important thing I would say, and this would be to dancers, is enjoy it because, and I know that's really cliche, but enjoy it because it doesn't last forever. And what you think is important now probably won't be what you think is important in 10 to 15 years. So enjoy it to the best of your ability. And if I was speaking from my therapist perspective, I would say, start to wire in some of those positive things now because you'll thank yourself for that later. Mm-hmm. I think for teachers to help students learn and to get that muscle memory, I always try and lead with a storyline find that character from A, B, and C so they know where they're heading. So there's like benchmarks along the way of their dancing. So like, I can't I can't remember what's next. Oh, I'm doing this in this dance. So I know I have to get to that emotion. And if you kind of lead with a character and that storyline all the way through, that'll help you remember. And that helps with part of the stage fright of forgetting on stage, I think. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode all about stage fright. Be sure to follow our special guests on social media. You can find Caleb at Caleb Dickey and Glenn at Glenn Keelish. Also, don't forget to follow Glenn's podcast on Instagram at the underscore mental game. Don't forget to follow Making the Impact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want more exclusive episodes, support our podcast by joining our Platinum Premium membership for only $5 a month. Subscribers receive free Making the Impact stickers, shoutouts live on the air, ad-free listening, and exclusive access to our Q&A episodes for members only. Be sure to check out IDA-affiliated competition, DECA Dance Competition. DECA Dance Competition is dedicated to bringing you a fun, high-energy, organized, and educational experience at each and every event. 
DECA offers four specialized judges, a weighted technique score, and a brand new title competition where everyone is eligible at no additional cost. Experience the DECA difference with top-notch teacher and studio owner care in a faculty lounge, skill-based levels, an emphasis on age appropriateness as part of every routine's overall score, and so much more. Join DECA Dance at one of their 15 events in their 2023 season, including their exclusive minis-only convention in New Jersey. Head to their website to learn more and register for an upcoming event now at decadancecompetition.com and become a part of the DECA Dance family. Season four of Making the Impact is well underway. Stay tuned for our next Spotlight feature and an episode on stolen choreography. We hope you're still enjoying season four of Making the Impact. We'll see you next week. Until then, keep dancing.